It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. So Taste of Dublin took place over the weekend and on Sunday my first guest in the Food for Thought with Love in Dublin talk stage was David Gillick, one of Ireland's most successful sprint athletes. He's an Olympian, a double Euro champion, little ambassador, cookbook author, winner of Celebrity Masterchef and the list goes on. Let's have a listen to our chat. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Gillick, you're very welcome to Food for Thought. Thanks for having me in. I have a few years on you, obviously. Whenever I was growing up, anybody that was training the food side of things wouldn't really have been a big issue. Like, they got lots of nice mommy dinners to keep them going. I live down in Limerick now, home to the All-Ireland yeah, hurling yeah. team. Very strong. And uh, the boys are all very particular about their diet mm. and the exercise and everything that they do. So tell me about your athletic career when it started and the importance that nutrition and your diet and what you what you ate yeah like my, my career probably spanned about 12 years um competing at the highest level so kind of european championships world championships and olympic games um but i relocated over to loughborough university in 2006 because i finished college here in dublin and I just wanted to really kind of give it a go. Um, I kind of made a promise with myself that uh, I didn't want to get to the age of 30 and look back and go, what if? So I relocated uh, over to Loughborough and that was probably the first time that I really began to look at my nutrition. Um, I'm born and bred in Dublin and my mum cooked everything at home um, and everything kind of, I suppose, was from scratch and maybe that was kind of, I can remember going down to my grandmother as well, she would have cooked an awful lot from scratch. And I think that was probably, you know, earliest memories of food. Um, but I didn't really take ownership of food until I left home and I began to go to the shops and I began to kind of, you know, cook my own meals for training and in the evening time. And that's when I really began to take an interest into like, okay, well, what was I actually eating? My training had gone up to like six days a week. I was training with uh, athletes that were, you know, on top of their game and faster than me. So in order to improve, I began to look at, you know, everything from a holistic standpoint. Okay, rest, recovery, and diet being one of those. So, you know, really got into like, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, what was I making? Began to, you know, every time I went shopping, I began to look at the nutritional information and the ingredients on the back of products. Because I really wanted to make sure that the food that I was eating was nutritionally dense. You know, so I'm getting good carbohydrates, I'm getting good vitamins, minerals, and all those elements that were really required for me to, to not only perform, but to recover. And that's the big thing, you know, I took from food was the, the ability to, you know, refresh, rejuvenate, to get ready to go again. Because when you're training at that level, it was twice a day, six days a week, more or less 11 months of the year. So that was probably where food for me really became part and parcel of my whole training regime and just trying to kind of really knuckle down and work hard in order to achieve the dreams and goals that I'd set for myself. So there's a lot of discipline involved whenever you are um, competing at, at such a high level. So that discipline, you brought it into the kitchen then and your diet. Yeah, as absolutely. As well as just the training yeah, in general. Like the, the training was kind of one obviously key area and I worked, you know, I had a great training group, training partners, I had a really good coach and, um, you know, it was constant feedback and we worked together collectively. But likewise for my, my diet as well, like 
I, I didn't have a background in food. I didn't study food. This was more like, okay, what can I make that's healthy in the house? What can I buy in the shops that's gonna enable me to recover and get ready and go again? So I, I suppose that kind of mindset was very kind of growth orientated. And I, I said, okay, who's out there that can help me? So I started working with nutritionists and got a real insight into what did I need? because everybody's different, you know? So you were very proactive in yeah. finding that nutrition. So the way now athletes and um, sports people, they're automatically assigned a nutritionist. Yeah. yeah, pretty much like, you know, when I left in 2006, we didn't have the Institute of Sport that is now out in Abbottstown where all these services are provided for athletes, which is fantastic. You know, back then you kind of had to figure it out yourself. Um, and that was nice because you became your own CEO. You became that kind of, it empowered you to like pick up the phone, bang on the door and go, hey, I want to better myself. What do I need to do? So that kind of taking ownership really kind of, I suppose it gave me a bit of motivation that I'm now paying money essentially to work with a nutritionist. I want to know what I need to go and eat. And I fortunately found a really good guy over in the UK who helped me. The best thing he did was actually brought me to the shops and he walked me around with the trolley and I was throwing in stuff and then he'd be like, hang on, look at this and look at that. And he was very kind of good at explaining what was in products and how to go about understanding what is in it. So look at the ingredients, look at the nutritional information, relate that back to yourself. Because I suppose as a sprinter, my event was 400 meters. It's a lot different to a GA player, to a marathon runner, to an endurance athlete. They're very, very different. So again, you're trying to eat with what, what's relevant to you and calories and protein and the macros and all that stuff that comes with food. So um, I think overall, like you know putting a hand up working with someone empowered me to go you know i'm on the right track and work really hard and whenever you are competing at that level you have to be very determined and you are automatically a very competitive person and you said there about looking at other people was that something then that really maybe had an effect on your mental health as well, looking at what other people were doing? A bit like today, young people maybe looking at social media and thinking everybody has it all, they have their lives sorted, but actually behind the scenes it's a very different story. Yeah, and like what, what fascinates me about kind of social media and the impact that has on, say, on your mental health is... The, the, the rapid change that we've seen in like the last five years, the last 10 years. So when I was competing, you know, we didn't have things like, um, you know, your social media platforms, but we didn't have things like like Garmin's and Strava and stuff like this, where you could really analyze what other people are doing from a training perspective. So like what we've seen now in even sports psychology is that there's a uh, cyber psychology, where that comparison uh, from a sporting context, but even in general kind of living we compare we look on social media and we think that everyone has it all made um, and I, I, that was always a challenge kind of when you were competing and when you were training because you would hear what other coaches might be doing with other athletes you go to a competition and you would see these athletes that maybe you know at the at the time or maybe run a little bit faster so you go oh, what, what training sessions are they doing and then you go oh maybe should i be doing that and that's where it comes back to trust trust your own kind of team around you and you know i was very fortunate to have good training partners a good coach and i respected them and i trusted them and if i had any issues i was in a scenario where i could bang on their door and i could have a conversation with them and that was a great way of of like i suppose you know understanding a little doubts in my head and maybe getting the confidence to go what i'm doing for me is the right stuff and you know that was all kind of good when you're in that kind of i suppose that ecosystem and that environment but probably the biggest change came when your career ends um, and that's where like you know from an exercise perspective from a diet perspective from a from a comparison with other people on social media perspective things 
probably lost an element of control and I, I found that quite different and difficult um, and, and, and that was probably the biggest challenge I had you know over the last couple of years because you had a routine you knew what you were doing one day after another yeah. it was all timetables right? and I think like I like routine so I like knowing Monday to Friday the children are off doing X, Y and Z I'm going to work I actually thrive in that yeah. Monday to Friday much more so than a Saturday and a Sunday you know yeah. I, I do not have the fear in a Sunday night I'm thinking oh my god it's brilliant they're going back to school tomorrow and I can start focusing on my work but like a lot of people need that routine for their mental health for their mental health I think you've seen that over the last you know like when you go back to say recession when you go back to the pandemic when there's change that's when it can affect people on different levels and we've seen that quite clearly when routine change and even now there's elements of a lot of organisations out there are still in that state of flux going back to one day a week in the office to two days to three days that hybrid kind of lifestyle but that has implications on you know dependents family kids school all that sort of stuff and I was the very same. I retired 10 years ago. So I'm 40 next month and I retired when I was 30. I retired through injury. Um, it, was, it was tough. You know, I, I tore my Achilles and it was very much, I wasn't making money from the sport. Um, it got to the stage where what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, I came home, from, I was in Australia training at the time and I came back to Dublin. I got asked to do Celebrity MasterChef and I was like, well, I'm doing nothing else. I might as well do it. Um, and that was a nerve wracking scenario. But all of that change happened so, so rapidly. And soon I woke up in September, which was a month where I'd usually go back training. I woke up in, in the box room I grew up in Ballantyre in my mum and dad's house. And I simply thought, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? Because of that, I didn't have a structure. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a routine. Something that I would have had for probably 12 years previous. I knew exactly what I was doing every day, every month, um, every year and every four-year Olympic cycle. That's the way my life was, but I loved it. And I was in an ecosystem surrounded with like-minded people, and then suddenly you wake up and it's, it's very different. And did you change your diet then, or were you still quite disciplined with your diet? No, I, I, I stopped exercising because I began, I began to resent my exercise and resent athletics for putting me in the situation I was in. Um, I'll be open and honest, I, I struggled with my mental health, I struggled with my, my diet. I, um, I began comfort eating because I, I, was in a, I was in a place where I was struggling with who I was, I was struggling with my identity. You know, for so long I was, I was a 400 meter runner and that's what people defined me as. Now I was like, well, who am I? So, you know, food became a bit of a crutch for me and I can tell you some epic stories about what I used to put away in one sitting, you know, because my emotions were leading my decisions and I wanted poor quality food. I wanted high sugar, high carbohydrate food because my mental state was, uh, was on the decline. And I suppose life at that moment of time, I, I panicked, I took a job that came my way, the first job because I thought I needed money. So I equated success um, and fulfillment and contentment on a bigger salary. Um, and that's the way I thought at that process, at that moment of time. So in terms of my lifestyle completely within two to three weeks just turned upside down. Um, and I suppose, look, been male and I, I was 30 at the time, I've come from sport, so it's faster, fitter, stronger, show no weakness. Um, so I didn't talk about it. And like, I think when it comes to kind of mental health, it's the easiest thing to hide. You know, I used to get up in the morning time and my now wife Charlotte would see the true David. I'd walk out of the house, I'd put the mask on and I'd be the person 
I thought people wanted me to be. I'd go on social media, I'd compare what I was doing, and particularly with sports people, because I straight away would think, why didn't I think of that? Why wasn't I doing that? Um, but again, like that stigma around mental health, I was I was very fearful of what other people might might think. So, you know, all my my values as a person, all my routines, my purpose, my athletics, my food. I enjoyed eating food. I found actually food when I was competing quite therapeutic. You know, I'd come home in the evening time after training session and I'd start just cooking from scratch. And I really enjoyed that because it made me focus on not chopping my fingers off, you know, and I wasn't thinking about my times, what I was running and what they meant. So. And you, and you obviously were a natural at cooking well, whenever you went on to win MasterChef. Yeah, I don't know, my mum's kind of gone, who did you pay off in that? But it, it was a great experience and it was something that um, I really, really enjoyed. I have to say, like, yes, I was very nervous. Episode number one, I can remember thinking, I hope I just don't get kicked out first round, you know, and um, because like cooking was something I enjoyed at home. I wasn't having my mates around and cooking for them or, you know, getting them to critique my meals and things like that. And then suddenly you're going on national TV thinking, what am I doing? But it was a great experience. Um, it was like, it, it was hard. It was really hard. And um, to come out the other side of it and, and kind of get the win, I suppose that competitiveness was still in me. But I just really enjoyed it. And I did, I, I, like, I, I suppose off the back of that, going on to write a couple of cookbooks and working with brands like Lidl and stuff like that in terms of recipe development. And, you know, I think my life has evolved now. Myself and Charlotte have three kids, seven, almost five and two. Um, it's busy, it's frantic, it's all of that sort of stuff. But food is something that I think brings us all together. And we, we quite we quite kind of, we respect that and we like having our family dinners and trying to get the kids to you know with everything's going on in life to come together around the table and kind of have a bit of fun with it all so and i want to go back to what you said there about the comfort eating because mm. obviously when we're not eating well with our diets it does affect your mental health as well as the other aspects of your your well-being yeah an awful lot and a lot of more research is coming out about like you know the link between say your gut health and your mental health and out in, down in ucc they did a lot of work about your microbiome the second brain they call it and you know your diet is so much like linked now to your mental health and it's even that the feel good factor that's something that I really learned like you know when I was when my diet completely changed and I wasn't looking after myself and I kind of just said well I'm not an athlete anymore I don't need to eat well I can do whatever I want the impact that had on like my energy levels and even kind of that that sense I got from like I, I eat well I feel good about myself but the biggest thing I kind of learned was my like when I was training and when I was competing I got very fixated on kind of calories and the macros of food and you know, weighing out food to the point where it impacted the social element of food so I wouldn't go out because I couldn't control the food I was eating and that's when I began to realize well hang on there has to be a balance in here um, and particularly when I retired like I just went so far the other way like I laugh about it now but like you know you're talking about certain pizza companies doing two large pizzas on the, for the price of one on a Tuesday I'll be straight on the blower give us two of them and a tub of the ice cream and I just do it all up like, and that was the reality you know um, but I think you know like, I'm not ashamed to admit I, I went to counselling in 2016 um, so it took me three years to actually put the hand up and get the help required I still go to counsel now every second week um, that's probably one of the best things I've ever done because I now like, I now understand the journey I've been on. I now understand that, like, what's important to me. I love exercise. I love running. I love having a routine. I love having a goal. I love to eat well. I love to get the kids involved in food um, because it's family time as well. And I think all of that has made me kind of realize um, just the kind of the true values of what I'm about and what, 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 uh, what I enjoy doing. I think that's very important. 
yeah, and I think as parents, like we have a responsibility to um, set a good example for our children whenever it comes to healthy eating. Because yeah. I know, like a lot of the the bad habits that I have, you know, they're all obviously they're my parents' fault. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, I have to blame them. Well, look, I have a few them. bad habits as well. I'm not going to sit here and go and squeaky clean, but we won't go there. Uh, of course, Master Chef was not the only reality TV show you've oh, been done on. Your research, haven't you? So tell us about um, Hell Week yeah. the Professionals. Like, I only saw a few episodes of that. It was, it, I couldn't watch it. It was too grim and scary it was grim. to watch it. Yeah. So it must have been even worse whenever you were in it. Oh, it was horrific. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was the hardest week of my life. But at the same time, the best week of my life. Um, I think, you know, this year, um, 10 years retired, I, I look back on my career and like I had great grit and I'd get up every day and I'd be like, yeah, push through and train really hard. And then you moved so far away from that. And I, I always qu kind of questioned, like, did I have that edge about me? Did I have that, like, if I had to dig deep, did I still have that? And the opportunity to get involved in Hell Week came around and I said, yeah, like, let's do it. And, you know, when I told family and friends that I was doing it, they were like, why, why are you doing that? And there is, there's easier ways of getting yourself on TV. Like of trust all me. of the shows. Of all of the shows, I know. But I think the key thing about it was, there was a lot of people. Um, Jen, Jen, Jen organised Hell Week. I heard you It's all your fault. So. Yeah, but the funny thing was, like, even though like we knew Jen, she was like, she wouldn't help us. There's so many points where you're like, help! You couldn't even look at her. No, but uh, no, it was it was an unreal experience, and I think. Like there was 20 contestants and I think everybody did it for their own personal reasons. And that was something that, um, like I, I knew through my own training that I could, I could grind it out, I, like I, I, could, I could push through. But the hardest thing was the lack of sleep. So over the whole kind of Monday to Saturday, we got less than seven hours sleep. Like less than, just think about it. There's people here that probably got more than that last night. Less than seven hours sleep. Our food intake was probably somewhere in the region of Tw um, 1200 to 1500 calories a day so you're waking up and you're getting like a little pot of uh, of oats and a hard-boiled egg and if you're lucky you'll get a banana and that was it and then you've been hauled up and down mountains and thrown out of helicopters and all this crazy stuff but the challenge was very much kind of emotionally mentally yes physical as well but as it went on it was very very much about that mental aspect and I think you know my kind of strength was probably the fact that I've, I've I've done a bit of work on myself, and I think that maybe, like you know, I used to, I say to Charlotte and the kids, like I didn't even think of them because I couldn't. Because if I did think about them, you get very emotional. So you try and kind of box that off a little bit. But um, probably one of the best experiences of my life. Do you think if you had done it maybe five, seven years before that you would have had the same level of success? No, no. I think um, I think actually going and and working on myself through counselling, I began to you kind of you learn about yourself and you learn about the little triggers and you can put things in place and for me kind of building up that resilience tool toolbox um over the last 10 years has been really really important in terms of just kind of you know when the hardships hardships come and the obstacles like what you do in those moments of time and even particularly like the pandemic i work for myself it can be tricky but i think i was more equipped because of the journey that i've been on over the last couple of years and other opportunities have come to your door, so you are an ambassador for Little. Tell us about that. 
Martin. Yeah, I've been working with Lidl over the last probably nearly five years for this stage, and um, great brand to work with, and you know various campaigns. You know, I suppose I've evolved as, as a person now with family and kids, and we've worked really well on kind of recipes for kids and families, and you know obviously go full Lidl has been something that they've really been pushing over the last last couple of kind of year or so, and we've worked well on that and kind of encompassing like your full shop and you know the products that are available and using them for kind of family and healthy and even kind of the exercise element as well they do a lot of sponsorship in that space as well so great brand to work with and um, you know they activate a lot and they're out there and really kind of I think the products that they now ha have in store um, like I'm, I'm the worst I go in for milk and bread and I come out with like you know a lawnmower or something from the middle aisle but um, it's all a bit of fun and they're great great crew to work with yeah and what is next for you because you know you said about retiring the 30 you had an yeah. injury and you didn't have a plan you have a plan now i presume you have those five year ten year goals or things that you want to achieve yeah like obviously kind of priorities have changed the kids um are kind of up there i'm a little bit down the pecking order by this stage but um no it's very much kind of you know develop on my own kind of brand as well um i do a lot of work around kind of health promotion and and um, work for myself in that space and that's something i'm quite passionate about and kind of get more involved in that and continue the good relationships I have with the likes of Lidl and kind of work on projects with them and you know again kind of on the personal side as well and back running it's something that I, I, I really enjoy. Oh and yeah tell us the story about the park run. Oh the park run yeah yeah so park run like it's actually kind of funny because I, I, I didn't run for a long long time I, I hated athletics because um, I resented it and put me in the situation I was in but when I started going to council and I began to understand that athletics is something that's within my DNA and um, park run people would be familiar of and my local one was up in Marley Park and I'd get to like Wednesday, Thursday yeah I'm doing it and then like Friday night nah no chance because the ego I was afraid of what other people think and I grew up in the area and long story short I decided one day get your backside up there and I went up to Marley and I parked the car walked in and the first person that came up to me was like oh David great to see you you should win this and park run is not a race it's just a run and I remember thinking I thought it's just a, just a bit of fun but I absolutely took off you swear I robbed the local shop I absolutely nailed the first 1k got the 2k and I was beginning to wobble and a guy passed me out pushing a buggy and I'll never forget it because he looked at me and I looked at him and I knew what he was thinking but I finished it and I felt good and that's the, the, the joy of exercise it was a Saturday morning it was like a bright sunny morning in local park green exercise and after that then that became my go-to and I was going through counseling at the time and um, after a couple of weeks and months I said maybe I'll go back to the, down to the track so I went to the local track down in Tala jumped in with a couple of young athletes I knew and the coach and uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday park run my week at structure and that's something I really enjoyed and then after a while I said I'm going to race I didn't want to do it in Ireland and um, I found a little race in Pavia in Italy and emailed the meat promoter an Italian lady and said I'm David Killick I ran 44 seconds I've won Europeans and all that and she responded and said no lanes I'm sorry so no space in the race so I went back to her and I was like oh look I've had a few injury problems etc etc and no word of a lie an Italian lady through email said did you win Celebrity MasterChef Ireland and I said yeah and she goes no problem on you come so I got myself over to Italy and uh, I was in the B race and I came last I ran 48 seconds the time I ran when I was probably maybe 16 17 hand on heart the best race I've ever ran that was 2016 and I think I always kind of tell that story to people because whatever it might be whether it's diet related whether it's exercise whether it's family whatever is very important to you there's a start line and if you can just get there take the first step 
well then you're on the right track yeah, so that's your key message today is if you're struggling just put your hand up and ask for help you're not alone there's so many no. other people are going going through the same yeah, struggles 100 and i know we're talking about food in relation with food and mental health but you know i'm always cognizant of people when you talk about mental health that, that like if you look at the stats around mental health there's probably someone even right here that could be going through to, through something or someone close to someone that's going through something talking is the best policy um, and that's what I learned and what I found was that you know for so long I thought nobody would understand me and I'm the only one I realized that there's an awful lot of people and there's an awful lot of men out there struggling and um, that would be my one call to action is confide in someone and if you are that someone that they're talking to just just listen you don't have to tell them what to do you know build up that rapport build up that confidence and then in time you can point them in the right direction Fantastic. Well, listen, David, you're very good to come in today. No it's problem. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, David Gillick. Thank you. Cheers. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.